can we just let the worship band know how much we are thankful for them leading us each and every week. It's not easy standing in front of you people, so I'm glad that we get to do that together. Uh, We've been walking through the Lord's Prayer together as a church family for the last few weeks. We actually started working on this series a few years ago. It was in my head, and that's never a safe place to be, but there it was. And Jared and I were working through this, thinking like over a long period of time, when do we get to this? And this summer was one of those times where I thought, this is, this is it. We're, we're going to walk through the Lord's Prayer together. Now, for a pastor, whenever you're working through how you're going to name a sermon series, it, you want to go back and forth between being really clear and maybe give them something to hold on to, some hooks and some handles. And, uh, and Jared and I had a, a really honest conversation. What do we think we should call this? And I had a few things that came to mind and I thought they were not great. And then he said, well, what do you think about this? And he, what if we call it thy will be done? And we had this debate about it between thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And his opinion was always like, you know, I think the whole passage is about thy will being done. And I would say, well, I think you're dumb. And we would go back and forth some. We arm wrestled once. It was awkward. One of my favorite memes is from a television show called The Office. If you're not an Office fan, I'm sorry for you. And the meme is this. It's where Pam Beasley looks at two pictures and says they're the same picture. When you look at the story of the Lord's Prayer, and we're talking about what the will of God is and why the will of God matters, it is tied to His kingdom coming. They are the same thing. To understand the kingdom of God, you are understanding what His will is. To understand the will of God, you're grasping onto what His kingdom is. So I'm going to walk through with us in Matthew chapter 6 from the Lord's Prayer in the Christian Standard Bible, which we work from each week. And I'll also reference it in the King James Version, which we use at the end of our services, just in case you have no church background or very little church background. We want you to be able to be part of that. It's pretty familiar to all of us, I would assume, at this point. But let me just share this with us from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Therefore, you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or if you're with us regularly, or you're with a church background regularly that uses the Lord's Prayer in your gatherings, we know that most of us use the King James Version where it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Whenever we're having this conversation about the will of God today, I, I don't want us to miss that the will of God is something that we can understand in a small, small way when we are aligning ourselves with what God's kingdom actually is. That we would see the will of God make itself known as we see that in every sphere of life we have been called to live out our kingdom influence, God's kingdom influence. 
that it would invade every sphere of our existence, that we would see that in our vocation we want to see God's kingdom come and His will being done. That the will of God would, would be that wherever you go to school, if you are still in school, you would be wanting to see God's kingdom come as you are doing what you happen to do at that school. When you are looking at the various sports that you may play, that you would want to see God's kingdom come and His will being done. We want to see who we are in our relationships with one another, in the way that we interact with one another, in the way that we care for our lost neighbors, in the way that we love our found neighbors, that we would want to see God's kingdom come. The will of God is to declare what His kingdom is and for His kingdom to be made known to us. So last week we walked through just a huge idea, an overview of what the kingdom of God is from the beginning of Scripture to the end. And today I want us to think through some very practical ways that His kingdom matters for us. This may be a brief sermon for you because I knew I had two preacher's kids sharing their testimonies today and we worked through it together. The first thing we would ask is this, what are the various places and the various ways in the Scripture that we see the will of God? Where do we see the will of God present? And does it show up in different ways? The first, the thing that I would love for us to take away if we don't take anything else away today is this. For us as believers, we should go with what we know or go with who we know. Now there are some things that we don't know which is pretty overwhelming if we're not careful. It can take a lot out of us to not know everything. We are a people who live in a world where we know what's going on everywhere at all times and it leaves us almost helpless. If you've watched anything recently on the news, you have felt helpless as you've considered the struggling and the suffering of people all around the world. People who are uh, on the other side of the world in war right now. It makes us feel helpless. Fires in our own nation making us feel helpless, overwhelmed. So what does it mean for me and for you who, who happen to live in Lake Jackson, Texas in the year of our Lord 2023 to embrace the will of God where we are? To see the will of God right here and to want His will to be done right here. What does that mean for me and what does that mean for you? We have to start with this phrase, in earth as it is in heaven. If you were unfamiliar with the Bible, when Jesus says this, he is saying this to a group of people who will spend the bulk of their life, if not all of it, within a very small piece of land. And their understanding of the world was unlike our understanding of the world. There was no World Wide Web. There was no Jerusalem Wide Web. There was none of that. It was, what does it look like when Jesus tells them to pray this prayer that they would want to see God's will right where they are? That they would see the invitation to the kingdom as members of His kingdom who are celebrating the reign and rule of God that their lives would, would line up differently than the lives of those who did not follow after Yahweh. Who had no understanding as to who this Yahweh was. So what are the various ways that we see the will of God? One is we see His secret will. And that is present in the Scriptures. And actually there are numerous passages that will make reference to it. And if I were going to give you uh, a 
something to follow the colon of his secret will, I would say, right question mark. Because every one of us have had those moments where we've looked into the world in which we live and we have thought to ourselves, I don't know why this is happening. This doesn't make sense to be happening. Whether it is personal or somewhere on the other side of the world or maybe even in our own state. I don't know why this is happening. I'm not sure why this is going on. I don't know why this sickness is here. I don't know why this death is here. I don't know why this plague is here. How does this part of what God's doing? Where do we see the secret will of God in the Scriptures? Deuteronomy 29, 29, it references the secret will of God. When you read this, the hidden things, or some translations may read, the secret things, they belong to the Lord. But the revealed things belong to us and our children forever. So that we may follow all the words of this law. There are certain things that we will never know on this side of eternity. And and learning to live in the tension of that is one of the most difficult aspects of the human experience. It is very difficult for believers to ask, why why did this happen? The sickness of a loved one. The, the, The sadness of a family down the street. The divorce that your mom and dad walked through. Why did these things happen? I don't know why these things happen. And though we may have breadcrumbs and clues... There will be moments where we will have to stop and say, I cannot think about this anymore. And even as I look around this room right now, I know you well enough. Not all of you, but I know many of you well enough to know that some of these things resonate with you in the right here and in the right now. That we would ask and wonder why, 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 and have to eventually come to the conclusion, I don't know and I'm okay with that. Ephesians 1.11 says this, In Him, in Jesus, we have received an inheritance because we were predestined. Don't be afraid of that word. It just means that God worked everything out from the very beginning according to the plan of the one who works everything out in agreement with the purpose of His will. God has worked things out and there are certain things that we have to be satisfied with and say, I don't know, but I know that God's not stopped working. So when we're asking questions like, why bad things happen? Why is this going on? There is a great possibility that in this life you will never be satisfied with the answer. And the strangest thing about getting answers is, even if we receive them, they're not satisfying. Because the world that we live in, it really is broken and affected by sin. It's affected in the macro, the large scale of what sin is, and that the world is impacted forever by it. It's also very true in the micro. And that sin is causing us to treat one another in ways that we should never treat one another. What is the secret will of God? That is for God to know and we just trust Him. I I don't feel like I give good answers all the time. But I don't always have good answers. I do know we've been called to trust in our Lord and to walk with Him because of that. Now, there are other things that we can know. Let's look at some other wills of God in the Scripture. One would, the second would be His discerned will. What is the discerned will of God? Well, this is not right question mark. This is more a matter of right or left. 
It's us looking at the world in which we live and seeing, okay, as I process all of the good that God has done for me and all the ways that God has cared for me and the ways that He is with me, I'm going to make decisions based on that. Romans 12, 2 gives us a really good picture of what this type of God's will looks like. Do not be conformed to this age. That's our first direction. Don't be conformed and shaped by this world. Paul says this to the church at Rome. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This is me and this is you figuring out how to take the steps that God would have us to take. Here are some questions that come with that that you may have wrestled with at some point in your life. I call most of these college questions because that's when this hits us for whatever reason. Maybe you felt this when you were in college or you felt this when you came to the conclusion of high school. What am I supposed to do now? Anyone ever think that about his or her own life? Or, or what college should I attend? Or, or, or what, who should I marry? Where should I live? And if I'm, should I marry? And if so, who should that person be? Well, what job should I do? Well, engineer, of course. That's how this room works. What money should I spend? Should I save? How much should I, sh should I save? Should I shave? How much should I shave? <laughs> what church should I join? What friendships would I have? should I have? What neighborhood should I live in? These aren't right or wrong questions. Unless you're going to Alabama. I take it back. <laughs> These are things that every person is trying to decide. And we as followers of Jesus have been invited to see and trust Him as we are making those decisions. Uh, Colin Smith, a pastor with a fantastic accent, says this, Every time you come to a fork in the road of your life, you will find yourself asking, What is God's will? But there isn't a verse in the Bible that tells you the answer to any of those questions. It's not revealed. But on the other hand, the will of God in these things is not secret or unknowable either. What is good, acceptable, and perfect, it can be discerned. Where should I go? I trust the Lord who has been with me won't leave me when I get there. We, we've had some of that in this room. Some of you have moved here from another place as you've processed what God's next step for you was. Some of you are processing that right now. Some of you have just returned to us from processing that step in the last two to three years. I'm not sure what's next. I just know that who's going to be with me when I get there. This is the promise of God for us. This is His revealed will. It's right or left. Well, I don't know which direction I should go. But right or left... The third way that we see the will of God for us in the Scripture is His revealed will. It is it's right or wrong. This is where the good times are. This is where we begin to process, okay, what am I supposed to do here? What has Christ already revealed to us as His people? What has He shown us? What has He demonstrated to us? And to understand this just a little bit more fully... 
we get to look into the text as a whole and see when Jesus gets to this conversation about the kingdom of God coming and the will of God being done, he is speaking to a group of people made up of hearers and overhearers, as I share in here consistently. There are those who are following after Jesus, and there are those who are there for the show. And there's another group, the Pharisees. The Pharisees are really there to really put an end to this Jesus, almost at the very beginning. The Pharisees and the religious, religious leaders ruled with a heavy hand over the Jewish people. And th there was an obstacle to the kingdom coming. And the obstacle was them. Because for Jesus to be who Jesus is in the lives of these people, to see this fully, these men would have to step away from power, step away, step away from their ability to dictate the way the others lived, and Jesus invades this as he converses with them in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. Leading up to this prayer, here's what Jesus has said to them. A group of people who, at, at the time, when they would interact with the Lord in prayer, those prayers were corrupt. They were very corrupt. Jesus would say in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, you, you've heard that it was said, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hell fire of hell. Jesus is saying that you're being lorded over with this, this rule that's in stone when in reality God's coming for something more than that. The phrase you've heard it say whenever Jesus uses it is, really undoing their hold on the people. These are not, thus says the Lord, words. These are, this is what we've been telling you. And they would use these things and leverage them over the people to make them feel guilty or wrong or, or to really get their own way in whatever their own way was. Matthew 5, 27 and 28, he continues, You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus continues, It is also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. The rule that they would use to, to enforce this, the ways that they would gauge whether or not a divorce was okay, was based on things like, did the husband like his dinner? It was based on things like, did the, did, the, did the spouse say something ill about her mother-in-law? For any reason, you could walk away from your spouse. But Jesus said, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, rather, but I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in case of sexual morality, it causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Jesus is coming after the hearts of these people. He's not only coming after their hearts, he's coming after ours. Because we love to live in the, well, you know what I've heard. Or you know what the good book says. And then we quote something that we heard on Seinfeld in a late night binge. Again, you've heard it said that it was said to your ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oath to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven or earth, because it's God's throne. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've heard that it was said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If that's the rule we're playing by, all of us should be eyeless and toothless. 
But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, anyone who slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him as well. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Can I just ask a simple question? How easy is that? Love the people you love and don't like the people you don't like. We can all play that. And then people can become our enemies. And we can make new enemies. Or, or people who were friends will become enemies. And then some people live in this realm of frenemy, which is a very weird place to be. You've heard this said, Jesus tells him. But I tell you, love your enemy. And pray for those who persecute you. If your faith was going to be gauged right now on how much you were praying for your enemies, what would it look like? If we were going to be measured by how much we were really leaning into the heart of the good news message of Jesus, what would that look like? Or how much of it would be we're putting up a good front for people to see? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is Jesus undoing the false revelation of the, the leaders. What is God's will for us? Well, from the Gospel of Matthew, we have two really great examples of Jesus showing us what it means, the, His revealed will for us. Matthew chapter 22, there, there's a passage called the Great Commandment. It's really important. That's why it's called Great Teacher, which command, is the, uh, which command in the law is the greatest? What's the most important one? And Jesus says to him this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all the soul, with all your mind. This is your, the great and most important command. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The, one of my seminary professors who I love would say it in this way, it's the love of God and the love of man for God's sake. Kingdom people who want to see the will of God done are going to lean into that. The love of God and the love of man for God's sake. That we would care about the people that God cares about. And as we read through the scriptures, when we're not doing the work of making text say what we want it to say, it actually shows us that we should be loving of everyone regardless of where they land in agreement with us or disagreement. We're told to pray for them, to love them, to care for them. There's another great in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came near and he said to them, All authority, this is after his resurrection, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying all of these things to a, to a people who had a very small world. It doesn't make anything that he said untrue to those of us who have a larger one. That we are to see, that we want to see God's kingdom come and His will being done in Lake Jackson as it is in heaven. In our nation as it is in heaven. 
in the world as it is in heaven. That we want to see believers holding up the values of Jesus and the name of Jesus, but not only the values and the name of Jesus, that, that Jesus saves lost people and calls people to himself. So we're called to be a people who see what God has revealed to us. And if I'm going to summarize it yet again, I would tell each and every one of us as believers, go with who you know. Because for every time we get into some theological debate or diatribe about something we don't understand and that we try to explain away because we've gone down a YouTube trail far enough or we've read the book of a, of a dead person. Here's the thing about reading dead people. It's great, but nobody ever reads dead people they disagree with. We all just keep reading the same guys. And it's always guys for whatever reason. We look to the text and we see that God really has shown us, this is who I would have my people to be. Pursue me. Love me. Care for what I care about. Love what I love. Have compassion on whom I would have compassion. So that's why we, so next Sunday, we're going to begin what we call 21 days of prayer as we continue through the Lord's Prayer. And I've asked, I've invited you because you're in Lake Jackson, not just me, as it is in heaven. And I've invited various members of our church just to write things, ways that we can be praying for the various aspects and elements in our community. Not only in our community, but for the ways that we would care for the lost people around the world and the lost people in our country. I want us to be a people who are considering what it means for God to have a mission for us as his people, to be those who would be kingdom bearers, light bearers, hope bringers. That's who God would have his people to be. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to bow your head where you are. And I'm going to call out some various groups and people who are in this room who are believers in Jesus that I know of in this room. And when I call you out, call your, call what your name or what you do, what you're part of, I want you just to stand there and I want us as a church to pray over you. I'm going to, I'm going to announce it. So first would be this. Uh, Chris Moore, who baptized his son earlier, he, he leads the Texas Sport Ministry. Chris, if you'll just stand where you are. Stand where you are. And you can find out more about Texas Port as, we, as our 21 days of prayer begins. But Chris has, given, has been given the opportunity to lead a group that is seeking to reach people from all over the world that come to this place. So, as Chris stands there, I would just ask for one or two people to go put their hand on Chris and pray for him. Just right now. We'll do that. You've got permission to move. You can open your eyes. I don't want you falling. Miranda Corn is the director of Refuge for Women. And you'll hear more about what refuge is and all the good that they do. If you've not heard some already, they're, they're seeing women's lives restored. So Miranda's going to, if she's here, is Miranda here? She's just standing up in the back corner. If I could just get a couple of people to go to the back and pray over Miranda. Because she's leading that. She's leading that.
on Wednesday nights, I've got volunteers who we make work really hard with our teenagers and our 5th through 8th graders. Greg Baker was mentioned earlier. He's not the only one. Jason King, they serve our young men. Christy Gee and she, she's teach, she and my wife Hope, they're, they're leading a group of, of young girls uh, starting this semester, 5th through 8th grade girls. So I'm going to ask for them to stand up. Justin Newton's not here. He, he leads our high school ministry. But it, I want these folks who lead each week here just to stand up. And I want us to pray over them right now. Because this ain't easy work. If you've met a teenager, you know. But if we could just pray over them. Asking God to bless them, to keep them, to protect their families. So that they would see the will of God being done. So that they would be manifestations of the kingdom of Jesus. There are some that we come alongside of that are far away from us. We, we partner with the North American Mission Board and the IMB, and I'm thankful for them, but I want to be very specific. For us as a church, we support uh, Tyler Clark and his wife, Tracia, in Seattle. Actually, on the outskirts of Seattle. And Tyler's not here. Uh, so I'm just going to ask for Scott Foster to come out of the booth. It doesn't matter if we don't have slides. It's okay. Come on out. Just come on out. And by proxy, we're going to pray for Table of Hope by going and circling up around Scott and praying for them. So he's coming out. If you don't know, Tyler has a beard, and he's kind of bald. And Scott has a beard, and he's kind of bald. So it works. Everything works. for a couple of us to gather around Sarah. If you don't know, uh, she's on stage. And if you're uncomfortable coming on stage, that's okay. But if you are comfortable, we're going to pray again. As a, Sarah's going to serve as a proxy because we're going to pray over uh, Noah and Bailey who were part of our congregation for a long time. They're serving in Southeast Asia. They're getting ready to do that. So we're going to pray for Noah and Bailey as we come around Sarah. They lived with Sarah and Jared. They live with him too. Jen Roberts leads us. She directs our mission team that does a lot of great things that they plan Serve Evolution. I'm going to ask for Jen to stand up right where she is. If we could just go pray for Jen as she has to deal as a volunteer with, with planning things out and thinking through things. If we could just pray for her right now, that'd be great.
And just as we're continuing that time of prayer, there is so much about the Christian faith that is hard. We've got Ricky and a couple of other women who lead our women's Bible study. Jared leads our men's Bible study. I would love for us to pray over them. If Ricky's in here, she could stand right there. If you're up close to Jared, let's pray for him. There is so much about our faith that's difficult. And we're having to discern stuff all the time. What would God have me to be? How would God have me to be that? Where would God have me to go? How would God have me to do that when I get there? But there are certain things that seem to be incredibly simple. When you pray, pray for the kingdom of God to come. And pray for His will to be done. got an army of school teachers in this room. If you're a school teacher in this room, will you just stand where you are? I don't care if you're homeschool or, or public school or private school. If you are teaching, just stand right And if we could just put hands and extend hands towards these men and women as they teach, can we just do that? When you pray, pray like this. So, Father, if, if we're going to be obedient to you and we're going to trust you, we need to be asking you to do stuff that you can only do. Because we don't have any authority. You've got it all. So, Father, I pray that you would just infuse this community with kingdom bringers who would want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would that, would that make its way into every chemical plant here? Would it make its way into every public school, every private school? Would it affect every ministry opportunity that we've been given? Lord, show us what kingdom influence is. And give us the patience when people don't agree with us. So we can love them. And so they can love us. We're going to begin to sing. And I'm in the back right corner of the room. If you're in this space and you've never placed your trust in Jesus, only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus. The believers in this space are going to take communion in a few moments. If you're not a believer, stay away from the table. But if you're not a believer and you want to put your, put your faith in Jesus, we have something better than a cracker for you. <laughs> So I'm over here on my right-hand side, and I would love, love, love to share with you what that wafer that I'm asking you to step away from symbolizes, what that juice means.